Hello and welcome to the Top Red Podcast with me, Dave. Joining me this week is Josh. How's it going? Hello. Uh, I'm all right, thank you. Good evening. Uh, Shane Shane is somewhere. We actually don't know where Shane is. No. Um, we probably should have clarified. We are not being serious. Uh, joking, sorry. We are being serious, sorry. Um, he could be anywhere. Um, Ireland would probably be our best bet, but we 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 have it in our heads he's gone. Ireland or some the, foreign nation. So um, yeah, if anyone um, can help us with our plea to find uh, to find Shane, please write to us um, at I know where Shane is at gmail dot com. Yeah, know. I know I know to shot a wing now because you didn't know what the pod mm. email was. That's good. Yeah, sorry. Um, so. We haven't really dissuaded the rumours that we only do podcasts once the Reds win because we've decided to not do it on Tuesday because there was a game. So we didn't Honestly, do it on Monday. I tell you what, as far as I'm concerned, what a season. You know, so many wins. Yeah, barely, yeah. Barely lost a game. So many podcasts, actually. I know, yeah. You know, I think we've been really consistent with things. I'm surprised like, we lasted this long. Yeah. yeah. Well, we, we lasted this long before Shane decided... You know, he wanted to get responsibilities and that and sporadically host the podcast, you know what I mean? But um Yeah, ho- hopefully we'll we'll get Shane back from the depths of well, whatever he is and both that and fatherhood sometime soon. But right now the Reds have won a game. They've won a game of football, Josh. Feels it feels Feels good. I mean, right now, I just I think I think that they deserve that they deserve whatever they whatever they get. They've done they've done their jobs. Uh, I'm thrilled for them. Yeah. So, I mean, it's been a bit of a weird week. We're coming off the back of um, Queen Elizabeth's passing last week, last Friday, was it? It was a day last week. Uh, yeah, it was a day. Um, which meant Actually, that... no, Actually it's been a, it's been about six days <laughs> of wall to wall old woman I, dies coverage. Um, I, yeah, j- just a bit of a sidetrack from the football. But I was watching them take the the coffin up to was it Westminster Abbey that they've taken it? anyway. Oh, I don't know. Fuck me, man! That was that was bizarre. It, it really is that kind of. If you like frame this in North Korea, people would be calling them auto lunatics kind of yeah. stuff. It was absolutely bonkers. I listened to an American who had uh, had come over to queue four hours to look at what is a box of wood draped in some cloth with a crown on it. And she's in tears. Oh my God, it's so emotional how everybody come in and they stand together and they're just so united in grief. It's like, what? It's, It's a room full of really quiet people. With some wood. I I don't get it, personally. I'm not a royalist. I think it's sad that an old woman has died for her family. I think that is sad. Then you remember they are all, you know, horrendous as people. And what they stand for is horrendous. I'm not going to mourn the passing of her as a queen. I'm actually not going to mourn her passing at all, really. But, yeah, I just think the whole thing's bonkers. But it did give us a wonderful rest um for what has ultimately become 
a week. Well, we've gone into the international break probably much more positive than we were this time last week, which is all we can hope for. Yeah, so, well, we we, we thank, managed thank you, Liz. to thank you, we Liz. managed to avoid being the first home game of Graham Potter in domestic competitions. Anyway, um, with the game against Chelsea being called off, obviously we had the game against Wolves called off as well. So I that's just that's left good, us. That's a good thing. I reckon we were dropping points in that with the way things were going. Anyway, the Chelsea game or the the Wolves both. game. Both. I think Wolves are shit, to be fair. I think we would have beat Wolves. I think we would have really just kind of grinded to a win against Wolves anyway. Um, It was more that Chelsea game that I wasn't really looking forward to. Um, But, you know, obviously that's been postponed now. So we've just had the two Champions League games back-to-back. And then we've got a nice little, what, three-week break, essentially in which we can have a mini yeah. pre-season. Darwin Nunez is going to come out of this. He's had three games out with a suspension and a three-week break. This guy's got to come out of looking like a fucking super soldier, surely. Like He's he's had a pre-season and a half by now. He's the only one who has. <laughs> I know, <laughs> yeah. Um, obviously, it means that we can get the likes of Thiago and, and the others that have just recently come back from injury back up to fitness. I mean, Thiago looked absolutely fine against Ajax anyway. It also means we only miss Robertson for one game, by the by the sounds of it. Henderson will be back. Canate is probably going to be back. Um, obviously, we're, it's a shame Portugal are taking Jota because that would have been ideal if he could have stayed. Um, but yeah, I think we'll end this international break at the only international break, apart from that really really big one in November. Um, looking at least on paper and squad wise, a lot stronger than. Than the start of it, I'd like to also see Calvin Ramsey get some um, under twenty-one minutes, if possible, if his injury or return from injury allows that. I think uh, having that option, you know, any right back that isn't James Milner as an option for Trent is is obviously hugely significant. Um, I mean, we've got Gomez there as well. I mean, we'll talk about the Napoli game, but I think that Napoli game, personally for me, cemented his place in the squad as. Undeniable fourth choice centre back and second choice right back. Like for me, he is essentially a right back for us now. But he will that's, need... Yeah, that's in games like Napoli though. But when you when you're playing at home to Bournemouth, you can shuck him in at centre back if it means giving two or three of the others a rest. Mm. Yeah, sorry, away to Bournemouth. We've already beat them nine nil. So sorry, yeah, um, I mean, we can talk a quick bit about the Napoli game because no. Well, well, I, I mean, we've had the got to, you know. Do you know what I think about that Napoli game? I think Tottenham away, twenty seventeen. That's the vibe. Yeah, I think it was twenty seventeen. The vibe. Yeah, especially with how Klopp came out and he was just like literally everything. Like everything was just everything was just shockingly bad. He but he was pretty um, abrasive in his comments. To be honest, I I, I haven't really heard them. Like that, probably since that Tottenham game, maybe. Yeah, and is that where you kind of, we obviously talked about his loyalty and things, is that where he's kind of that blind side where um, he maybe struggles to make those comments, you know, to the players? I don't know. But it needed it needed happening, and it's one of them. Sometimes a really bad defeat can be the best thing for your season and a really good win. Um, losing the first Champions League game is not the end of the world. Um we're not going to I don't think our our Champions League campaign will be defined by the the away trip to Napoli which is arguably the hardest game. Yeah, um, no. I mean, really speaking, given that we played against Ajax 
yesterday. Was it yesterday? No, a couple of days ago. Um, I mean, you reasonably expect us to win there. Um, and you know, every every European home game we should be expected to win. So you should, expect yeah. us to win against Napoli. And be home, home and away, home Rangers. and away against Rangers is 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 winnable. Um, they'll they'll still be in mourning, so I think that's a, <laughs> a walkover. <laughs> mourning had eleven goals in the last three games, Jesus. Um, but yeah, so I, I, it it's tough because you need the benefit of hindsight to turn around to go, yeah, that was the turning point in our season, and I don't mm. really want to live up to the name of the podcast too much by saying it is the turning point in the season. What I think is the turning point in the season is the Queen dying and yeah. getting games postponed. But uh, that's come after that Napoli game. <laughs> it's it's literally come at the best best possible moments. And I saw Liverpool accounts moaning at, at the games being postponed. And I was like, hey, what planet are you on? This is great. This is great I was, news. I, I was firmly in the, don't postpone games, apart from the Liverpool ones who hate the Queen. <laughs> leave, leave, yeah, postpone that one, obviously. We, we don't want national outrage, but the others, yeah, they can, they can, yeah, football's great. That was my that was my personal opinion. Obviously, I didn't want Liverpool to play Wolves. Um, yeah, and I think going up, touching on the point that it could be obviously it's, for now it's a could be the, the turning point. It's the the biggest shame is we've had to, you know, um, survive two months of pretty poor or a month of pretty poor football to get to the point where we're we're talking about a turning point and. You know, the pessimist in me will say it should never have got to that point in the first place with with a, with professional footballers not just being able to follow simple tactical instructions. And I think the big the big thing that confirmed it for me was watching Thiago against Ajax seemingly play a completely different role on that left side of midfield to, I think, Milner played it and Henderson played it. Watching those two try and play it compared to Thiago, who obviously just has, you know, game intelligence. And I think that's the big thing. It's something that Henderson, Milner, whilst they have their strengths, obviously struggle with following simple tactical instructions because you're not telling me that on the ball, obviously, Thiago is a different player. That is absolutely fine. I think that is, um, you can take that. You can take Henderson not having the same technical ability as um, Tiago, he could take Milner not having the that same technical quality, but what you can't take is the off the ball stuff, which is obviously the the bit that the the coaching staff will drill into you. Klopp's always been a, I think, a very much an off the ball. That's his team, you know, the way they behave. Um, so watching that role, the night and day between you know one group of players playing it and another player playing it. Um, off the ball is easier to coach, I think, than on the ball because it is it can be more instructional. It can be more in this situation. You do this, or you are here for this position over this phase of play, or what have you. So it's it's opened up quite a. It's been a bit eye opener. Tiago coming back about how um, people just haven't done what they've been instructed to do, which we all kind of thought was the case. That we can't. We, I think we've said it that we've looked at it. It's like we. They can't be asking them to do that. You know, they, they can't be asked. Linders and Klopp cannot be telling the team that is how it should be. So it's obviously Klopp come out, has come out and said that 
that there was, I think it, what was it, a, a week of truths or something was what he said um, about this last week that they've had between the games. So hopefully it's pulling rank and, and knowing that, okay, you are a great team, but you still have to do what you're told, basically. And it's a shame that it's took all these games to, to, to get to that point, but I'm, I'm certainly glad that point seems to be, seems to hopefully uh, have been reached. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think we, we certainly noticed it during the Newcastle game where they pressed up so high and there was just nothing behind at all. Um, it just, it's, it's just been a, that, that Napoli game was one, I think we've been able to really diagnose issues in, in all the, uh, in all of the other games. That Napoli game was just such a mess. It, you just sat back in. And it was, I don't even know what's wrong. There's, there's that much wrong that it, it can't all be just certain things. It's just, as a whole, seemingly broken. And I mean, the issue with making rash judgments this early into the season is that you don't really have much context. I mean, Napoli, by all counts, are a really good side. I mean, they're comfortably top of the table in, in Serie A in terms of Expect the goal difference per 90. They are literally top of the table in Serie A at the minute. So, by all intents and purposes, Napoli are a very good football side. But you shouldn't still shouldn't be getting beat before one at home. I mean, at you, home, sorry, you, away from home. If you um, compete and you lose 2-1 or 2-0, then you've, yeah, that's... you've, you've matched them. You, you take it. You take it. But a, a rollover, which is what it was, um, I would say Liverpool didn't really deserve one goal. You know they didn't. They certainly didn't. I don't think Napoli deserved to come away with just four, to be honest. And that's how stark that that game was. Um, and it was a worry. It's a big worry. And you know, it's you know, you know, it's bad when you've got the manager obviously being incredibly critical in in the press, which he's done probably more this season than he has done for the last two or three. You know, he's, there's obviously um, huge disappointment there. Um, and that, it kind of all came to a head against Napoli, and I think it was quite nice seeing seeing the the management just kind of say, "Yeah, you thought it was bad. So you should think how we feel," sort of thing, rather than trying to justify what they saw, like the United game. That the first thing Klopp says was, "Well, we should have won it." It's like we shouldn't, we shouldn't really, <laughs> you know, we shouldn't, we, we didn't didn't deserve to win that game. So it was nice to see a little bit of everyone on the same page. Maybe that was the harsh reality everyone needed. Um, as I said, it's not nice that obviously it's it's needed a four-one defeat, which you know, ironically, is the same scoreline Tottenham beat us before we went and did what we did in the next two or three years after. Um, but yeah, I thought we saw a good response on on Tuesday. It wasn't perfect. It wasn't you know the perfect game, but I thought it was good. You know, in foot, I think we've kind of lost the whole Twitter generation. Has meant we lose the we we lose the rational thinking. It's either really brilliant or it's absolutely horrendous. There's no in between. But I just thought it was a good performance. I thought Ajax scored a really good goal. I think we could, you can kind of praise the opposition there. It's that Kudus is probably never gonna. Yeah, I felt like banging like my head against the wall around the the nonsense that I was seeing over that goal. Like was, it's just it's was, just a really the, good goal. It, it's one of them. I think when you see you see Fabinho and Elliot jogging back in, and 
if they've won 15 games in a row before that, nobody notices it. Nobody notices that they were a bit slow getting back into their positions or following their runners. But because it's been one of the things labelled at the team that's led to poor results and uh, sloppy goals being conceded, there's an ultra-laser focus on it again, which doesn't help. Sometimes um, an opposition executes a move that they've trained and it works. And, and I think Liverpool defend the ball into the box quite well. I, I, I think nine times out of ten, uh, Matip and Van Dijk are happy for that shot to come in from where it has come in, for the body position it's come in. So is Alisson. And it goes in off the bar. I mean, you look at the slow motion behind the player shot. It's literally an inch away from the post. It's it's perfect. It's a perfect finish. Um, yeah, again, it's it seems to always be the case. It's the first chance the opposition have. They score after we've huffed and puffed to get 1-0 up. But I thought Liverpool dusted themselves down really well. I think it, got, it did get stale in that second half. It looked like out of ideas. We had people lining up to shoot from 20, 30 yards out and you start to think, okay, change is needed. And a change came and with the change was the change in system. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say I thought Nunez did well. Um, did, did what he needed to do. He occupied the defenders and he gave room for Firmino to, to play in and Firmino looked good again. Didn't always get everything right, but I think it was nice to see Firmino not having to think about, you know, being the attacking outlet and also the creative outlet at the same time. He kind of had a little bit of freedom to play because obviously Fabio and Thiago do such a good job at holding the midfield. So I think the change came at the right time and ultimately we got a win we deserved, a good win and three points and you can finally say that the Champions League campaign is up and running and hopefully we'll have six more points to show for it when when we um, play Rangers twice. So yeah, good a good week, one we needed. And you know, the uncertainty of Brighton as well at the moment could could play into our hands well to get the get the Premier League um, season really back up and running. Yeah, um, it's just hard to to look forward now, especially with this break. Um, but I I thought I thought the results against Ajax was a really solid result. The goal, yeah, the narratives, the narratives will be what the narratives are because that's just how things are especially at the minute people have lined up to have a go at Liverpool for four years now haven't really had much opportunity outside of that Covid season to do so and to be completely honest I couldn't give a flying fuck at the time but um, yeah it's 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 not really on anybody you, you can't expect everybody to be tracked like that running behind was. I mean, what you want to do? What what you want Trent to track that run and completely play them on side? That's the point of an offside trap for a start. Second of all, Matip covers relatively well. It just goes through his legs. There's not really much you can do about that. He's got big, weird insect legs. <laughs> and um, and Kudos does a really good job of shifting the ball quickly and getting a shot off and. It's a good goal, and I think people need to learn to sit back and go, yeah, it was a good goal. It's hit the top of the bar and gone in, to be fair. If it's anywhere lower, I think Alisson's probably got it covered. Yeah. But I, how many times have you seen Alisson just watch something go in like yeah. that? Like, it's a ridiculous Every, finish. Everything aligned for Ajax in that moment, and yeah, that can happen uh, in football. And I think that was the most annoying thing about it, is that we were so desperate for this result. And then to concede the goal like that at that time was just shit. It's just it like, oh, okay, it, fair it, enough. 
it came in the completely wrong game in the completely wrong situation. Yeah, if it had happened in any of the other games, it's like, oh, fucking hell, fair enough. Actually, thank fuck, a goal we can't moan about. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, no. I mean if, if it's 1 1 and Allison's had to make three point blank one on one saves, then you, then you start to complain. But, you know, it was, it was, um, yeah, I'll be fair play to I do, I do wonder what Team Ajax has been watching in the analysts' room, though, to be fair, because there was absolutely no threat in behind from them. They had Kudos playing as that kind of false nine. They had Tadic on the other side, who's I'm probably as quick as him. And Bergwijn just wasn't offering much in behind either. They had them third-man runs from midfield, but apart from that, they weren't really challenging us in behind. And don't get me wrong, I think Matip coming back helped us immeasurably because as soon as he comes back you've got so much more happening from the defence he's making those runs into midfield I thought one of the issues with Gomez was that every time he received the ball he was just passing in the direction that he was facing every single time and that was one of the really basic things I was getting on his back about and people seem to think I have an agenda against him it's 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 not it's I just he, he needs to turn on... He used to, to be fair, he, he used to do it a lot. It's something that he used to be really good at. Van Dijk does it as well. He, he turns really quickly on the ball a lot of the time. Joe Gomez used to be able to do that as well, but I don't know whether it's a confidence thing with him, maybe. But he certainly hasn't been doing it recently um, since he's come back into the side. And, you know, maybe it's something that might come with some game time, but I think it's safe to say he's lost his place in the team immediately. And once Canate's gone, he's probably gone further down the pecking order. Um, but I think Matip being back improved us measurably. And obviously Thiago did. But I think Matip's effect was really underrated, especially given he scored the goal as well. Um, he gives that yeah. dominance in the air. Like he, he's, so, he's so good in the air. I think that's another really underrated quality of him. I've, I've not seen us bully a team at set pieces as we did Ajax. I thought... I thought was that was really good and i think i i was thinking at the time if a goal comes we weren't we weren't really opening them up i thought obviously nunez had a good chance where he put wide and i think um in retrospect you can see why he's put that wide and how he's put that wide um didn't deserve half the abuse he got on on twitter i think i said for fuck's sake but you know you look at it over and over again you think eh, fair enough um and he does really well for the for the Diaz, well, I say Diaz chance. It would have been a Diaz chance for not for a um, a good touch from the keeper. Uh, but it did look like the set piece is going to be the way forward. I think Van Dijk probably should have scored. I think he said he, he should have scored as well. Yeah, Van Dijk should have scored in that game. But Matip and Van Dijk must have, I think, combined one, you know, a good eighty percent of their duels in 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 their penalty area when they had them. They had plenty. So. Um, it was nice that it was Matip's 50 pence head that actually finally managed to get one on target. He put one wide, so wide it was near the corner flag in the second half. I couldn't believe it was physically possible for him to do that. Um, his head will always be um, a phenomenon that we will never understand. But um, And that agonising second with a referee is the showman in it all whistled to his mouth then just points at the watch you think okay yeah are you saying it's a goal is it not a goal and and then obviously he points to the center circle as a celebrity ref yeah it um, seemed like the uh the landsman was flagging 
even before the watch went off. Yeah, you could, you could. I think even from the I TV view, I couldn't tell. Now was the other side of the ground. The TV view, you could, you could tell. Uh, it was uh, pretty deep. Just in say the you're a wall jack. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just say you don't go the game. God. All right. All right. Yeah. Um, on the ref, by the way, it doesn't get said enough. Thought he had a great game. I thought the referee was I, really good. He didn't realise he had a card in his pocket. That was my issue with him. But that was like, both Alvarez teams. made so many fucking fouls. It was both teams. You know, I think Fabinho probably should be booked as well. You know what? Yeah. So, you know, one of the things about that Ajax side, how, if you look at the fees that were getting thrown about for Juran Timber, Edson Alvarez, obviously they've just signed Calvin Bassey. Like, that's a defence that's apparently worth a, a, a around 150 million quid. Is it? Did you think mm. you, they, uh, they, I, they... I wouldn't mind Alvarez going to Chelsea, put it that way. He did not look yeah. good at all. Um, he didn't like being swamped. No, he just did not look comfortable at all. Like They, they always look fine, though, don't they? Obviously, playing in the Dutch league. It's... It, I mean, to be fair to, to Martinez, I think... Martinez is going to cause United issues, but he can. I mean, he's so he's so. His his tenacity is off the chart. Like he's a proper South American defender. Um, so I, I can see there's something there with Martinez. Even though I do think he's going to get he's going to be liable for some issues down the road, maybe. Um, but. Alvarez and, and I mean Timber was good he wasn't brilliant or anything I thought Bassi was comfortably the better of the three yeah I thought I, I was really impressed by Bassi apart from the one when he booted it um, he booted out of play under uh, under pressure yeah yeah <laughs> not yeah. my um, he was on his right foot I think so I like what they've done with him though in terms of bringing in more central and using his his physical presence, obviously. Did he play on the left for Rangers? Did he left back for Rangers, I think? I think he um, played centre-back and left-back. I think he was he pretty interchangeable. Yeah. So I, I think he looks great. What was it, 17 million? I think it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's a good it's a good sign in there. Probably well, I think it's it's another one of those signings where it's like guaranteed profit, isn't it? Like, yeah. Yeah. You know an English club's going to go in there with probably 40, 50 million for him at least in the future to probably take him away from Ajax. But mm-hmm. it, it does look Ajax. like... He, I, I I can't believe I actually played a thirty-eight-year-old in goal, to be honest. And have is that how old he is? I think he looked yeah. like a middle-aged divorcee, but yeah, he might actually be a middle-aged divorcee. Mm. His kicking was a bit suspect. As well. I thought, you know what? Because I thought his hair looked blonde, so I thought Correct. they had Jasper Sillison back. <laughs> and then I got I got back and watched the highlights on the TV, and it's, it's like watching realized, Jimmy Pollard in goal. Yeah, it was a great, it was a great guy with a man bun. I was like, what the fuck's going on here? I, I did think his kicking was a bit poor for Sillison, though. To be fair, so that's probably yeah. The he also, to be fair, he did look pretty comfortable with the ball at his feet, though. And his kicking might not have been great, but he wasn't phased by a press. Yeah, until he actually, you know, got to the kicking bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. In his head, it looked brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In his head, he knew what he was doing. It was everybody else's fault, probably. He, t- he says that's the coach. Every in the head, boss, it looked great. Just remember that. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, we we could look forward to the Brighton game, but we don't even know who's in charge. The fuck is no, so he's gone. He's gone. Potter's the gone. XG Lord has gone, and 
The best bit about it all is the XG from his first game in charge. Uh, his peak Brighton is about 1.7 to 0.4, and they've drawn one all. I mean, it's the it's a poetic start to the um, Graham Potter era at, uh, at Chelsea. Um, great appointment, I think, also, by the way. Um, I think he will comfortably make it a three-horse race if Conte doesn't manage to do it with Tottenham. I think it'll be um, very interesting to see how he manages the squad on a personal level. I think it's one of his qualities. Very interesting. I think it's one yeah, of his Yeah, it, it could be. I mean, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying it won't, but it was it was me same issue I had with Nagelsmann of, like, he'd only managed RB, RB Salzburg, RB Leipzig, sorry. And half an iron, which are these two manufactured kind of clubs yeah. in, in, in Germany and you know, they, they have this very specific ethos and, and they have nothing in terms of drama behind the scenes and then going to Bayern, which is FC Hollywood, you know, and, and there was a there was some minor rumblings over the summer. Um but, you know, the club seemed to have backed them since and you know, they seem to be doing doing well this season, so you know, he, he might have passed that test we'll see in the future. But I think the same is for Potter. I think that's the most interesting thing about these these managers taking steps up like that. It was the same with Rogers, if you remember, and then he had that obvious he had like a car crash of a time. Personal management. I, I feel like I, I feel like he has ever since as well. I think Graham Potter's brilliant in the fact that he always leans on the club structure. Um, I say always. He's managed one club that I've actually really, you know, known him manage. Um, but he seemed it's the way Chelsea want to run was obviously going to be with complete at odds with Thomas Tuchel. I mean, he's fallen out with his own shadow. Um, I, I would imagine. Um, he's he's just always so abrasive. I don't think Potter's like that. Potter is is very clop in the way that he'll accept how. The club wants it to be run. Yeah, that's that was the annoying thing about them getting them because it was like, can you just wait a few more years? <laughs> Come on, Graham, you know you want to. Yeah. Um, so that, that, I... that's a good thing about the manager though, being being able to throw your ego to one side. I think it's something that was part of Pochettino's downfall at Tottenham is that he wanted too much saying things, and Conte is always falling out with people over nonsense and stuff like that. I think it's a really now, good the sign. The manager's role's gone, hasn't it, in terms of its old definition. You are now a coach. And you can obviously have your, your say in the transfer targets, which is how it should be done. I think a manager should have at least a, a say on the transfer targets. But I know you can always tell Graham Potter is the sort of guy who's shown a, he's shown a player. They'll say, what do you think? And he'll go, yeah or no. And he'll be happy doing that. And much like Klopp, really, Klopp I don't think Klopp has... I think he's a scout and goes out and says, I want him. That will have come, I think, a lot from the analysis he's given and then he makes that final decision. And I think Potter will be the same. I also think Potter will be more malleable for an owner that looks like he's trying to be as involved as he can be. What is he, chairman, chief exec and sporting director all in one at the moment? And what? Yeah, he, he's apparently temporary sporting director. Is is Bowley? He's got um, he's got one of the guys who were involved in the academy setup. Pretty involved. I forget the guy's name. 
Well, the rumour um, is Michael Edwards they want, and he won't join until next summer. So whether that he's he's rejected them apparently. The frustrating thing if Edwards went there was would be why don't we just let him have a sabbatical? <laughs> I I think what would be the interesting thing about Edwards going there is how he acts in the transfer market. I think you'd have a clear um, comparison and a contrast between the the approach if he kind of is reserved and um, it's a slow evolution you'll say, okay, maybe the sporting director has more influence at Liverpool than we think, and it's not so much FSG and Klopp. Yeah, you're right on that. It would be interesting to see that because... If he goes out and spends £200 million on, you know, sparkly new, sparkly new shiny things... You think, oh, yeah, hmm. because it, 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 does, it does seem personally a bit unfair to just because nobody really knows what goes on <laughs> it's not the, it's not public knowledge is it how... in the bars of the club yeah no yeah, no one knows well, who makes these decisions whether it's mike gordon whether it's julian ward whether it's i mean the the, the most insight we've actually had is is dr ian graham and he's been pretty you know out there in in terms of if if you need to sign a player, it doesn't really add that much in terms of. Yeah. I think, what was it? Was it expected goal difference or something like that? He used as the metric. Yeah. Um. So that's the only really insight we've had. I think and we had we had a bit of a niggly comment from Klopp, didn't we, about how he'd wish that we were maybe a little less safe, and at times. People took that as a jab at the owners, though. That could just be a jab at Ward, for all we know. I don't, we be, don't yeah, know. It, it could be a jab at himself. You know, maybe we should have, we should move faster, sort of things, or we should be more proactive. Um, he's very good at admitting his own faults, but um, yeah, seeing seeing a, a Liverpool ex Liverpool sporting director at a major rival, um, with very similar sort of. Don't say similar owners, but it, I think Chelsea will get to a point where they're quite similar with us, uh, to us. Sorry, um, how that how that works? Um, I just think we need to wrap our analyst guys in a gold cage if that happens, and stop Mister Edwards coming to poach the likes of Ian Graham and Co. I guess, um, because I mean that that is the Premier League's worst nightmare. It has been. Could you imagine Liverpool's? Analytics team with three hundred million pounds. This backing, yeah, <laughs> you know, if they get this freedom to just break the bank on whoever they want, and money is no object, then what what will happen? Um, but yeah, I mean, some of the stuff that's always been coming out that this All Star game and and stuff like this, it's just it is the kind of political own goals that FSG were making in the early days and they weren't even so abrasive about to deny that. What was it? The the four four three formation? Yeah, it? something like that. Yeah. But it was like it was like I think somebody, FSG when somebody they first didn't came grasp in. We don't include goalkeepers. <laughs> yes. I mean FSG when he first came in made the I think it was the question of relegation and why is it a thing and all this stuff and you know it is in so many ways, like from, I think a European point of view, like Americans are so brash and so out there, and they're not ones to hold back. Um, 
Well, they don't and care it, about sounding stupid, do they, really? Yeah, he's just... He's, he's sorry, just that on sorry, all our American listeners. Yeah. Um, but, ah, nah, fuck them. <laughs> but, um... Royalist. But he's just... Yeah, he's just... Like, on, on absolute steroids. I mean, don't get me wrong, the Dodgers are doing great things in the MLB, so for all I know, he might be a fantastic owner and he might turn Chelsea around and they might be the next dominant force in English football. But for right now, I mean, he will be a twat if he does that, to be fair, but, but for right now, he's a twat who has absolutely no context and absolutely no knowledge of the game, it seems. And yeah, it seems as though even. Other levels, not just the Newcastles and the Manchester Cities, there's just twat owning football clubs nowadays. But that's just the market that's been created, hasn't it? Especially here, it's so lucrative. It is, and as as David Conn said today in 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 a tweet, you know, the four out of the six top English clubs are owned by these Americans now, and it could be a worrying sign of things to come if they do get voting power to change some of the rules in the league you know that you do need a majority in the league i think it was at 16 14 14 14 yeah that which weirdly leaves six it's a very you know oh six six left i wonder what that six is yeah um so you know i think that the, the premier league needs to be a bit more proactive when it comes to these owners and and getting things in place for, because we, we we've we've seen them try it with the Super League. Like they're not. And what was it? Project, like, Project Big Picture as well. Yeah, Project was Big Picture. Us? The Which Super I League. Completely disagreed. Project Big Picture. I I quite like the idea of an eighteen team league for um, calendar purposes and. Yeah, I don't mind an eighteen team league. Because France France are going to it, aren't they? I, I mean, ultimately, it'll stop. The Brightons and the Watfords and co of this world up and down like a yo-yo because we'll have a bit more oh, com- I think competition. Fair on Brighton. Brighton, what am I in about? Norwich. Brighton, Bournemouth. Bournemouth. Norwich, Norwich are the serial offenders. Norwich yeah, Bournemouth, Norwich, Watford, these kind of clubs, yo-yoing up and down. Um, I like the the idea of two going down in a relegation playoff with the third place of the championship. It also it also makes the championship. I mean, the championship in its own right is becoming a really solid league, as well. I mean, the amount of talent that's coming through the championship right into the Premier League and Fabio Carvalho, what a player! Not really missing a stride. Yeah, I mean, look at Mitrovic last season. You know, I mean, the the championship is a really high level nowadays. Um, especially if England keep on producing the way they are. Player-wise, and we start getting a bit more restrictive on loans and stuff like that. Maybe these clubs can get these players on permanent deals. Yeah, and I'd, we I'd might end like, up. I'd, I'd quite like the Premier League and well, the Premier League in particular to become a little bit more um, proactive and forceful on on homegrown players, and actually putting a quota in there, even if it's in starting lineups. If it's serious, I think if the FA and the Premier League are serious about developing, I know the Premier League probably isn't serious about developing British talent and what have you, but it does. It is a different sport, I think, when you've got English players playing for you. I think for us, 
you see Curtis Jones and Trent Alexander-Arnold in the team and Gomez, you think that's great. How great is that for our academy? And I think clubs have to have the incentive to develop their own players. And I think the Premier League has to, to really take a lead on that. Um, that will, I think, bring transfer fees down in terms of general transfer fees down. Um, might put the English ones up a little bit, but um, but yeah, I, that's what I want. I I a bit of a you know a bit romantic when it comes to football. I want to see. I, I want to see. I don't want to always see your eighty million pound signing be the one that plays all the time. I quite like. I quite like seeing the um, the youth. Playing, I think with the five subs, I think two of them should be academy players. Um, I think that makes everyone happy, and it develops the players. So, with the Premier League's got a choice here: it either makes changes that it locks in and gets support and heads off the potential American invasion that it could be, or it ends. It finds itself being outnumbered and outflanked, and and having systems that it doesn't want anything to do with, really. Um, I think football without relegation would be horrendous. It's not something I'd watch. Personally, it's why I don't watch MLS. I get the point. Why did you all of a sudden go very officey? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's just who I am. Um, so, just another side note before we finish up. Liverpool under-19s beat Ajax 4-0 the other day. 4-0. In terms of, you know, we were talking about these homegrown players and stuff like that. I mean, our academy is popping at the minute. And well, this that's... is this is without Kay Gordon as well, by the way. This, like, Kay this... Gordon should be in that side. I think the whole thing about, you know, young players playing for Klopp straight away was never going to happen. But this is going to be the, the time when things that have been put in place when he came in 2015 yeah, yeah, are yeah. going to start to bear fruit. And maybe it is a reason why we're quite ponderous in the transfer market because we we are going to use our youth setup more I mean, extensively you, later on down the line. You look at the you look at the team that played the other day. So you've got obviously the issue with uh, Oakley Cannonier is that he, he he's he's very small, <laughs> like he's really small. Um, but he scored a hat trick the other day against Ajax, and he's an absolute goal machine at youth level. It's whether or not he can make that jump. Got Ben Doak, who we signed from Celtic recently, who looks brilliant. We've got Kay Gordon, who's been out for months now with an with an injury issue. But that front three should be Cannonier, Doak, and and Gordon, which at under nineteen level is is ridiculous. That's such a good front three. Yeah. Um, the really the really scary thing is Jason Kumas's son is playing for the under eighteens, under nineteens. I mean, I just feel really old. Yeah, he, play, he plays with our Harry. He, he played with me brother um, at Chamia. Louis Kumas. Yeah, he's... So that's, that's, he's that's my little brother's claim to fame. Yeah, he, he was he was talking about not letting that down. But yeah, we got him. We got him from... Um, we got him from Chamia. Chamia closed the youth setup, which was a bit ridiculous. A lot of football league clubs have, and they've gone to like B teams and things like yeah, that. Yeah, I don't know, but... And I know Tramia made a lot of money through it. I mean, Aaron Cresswell, remember, um, oh, what was his name? I know his surname was Jennings, who went to um, Bayern Munich. Dale, Dale Jennings, yeah. I knew but Dale, yeah. I couldn't remember his surname. So. But yeah, we've got, um, 
We've obviously got Bobby Clark, Lightning Stewart coming through as well. And James Balagese. Is it James or Jamal? Balagese? Uh, James, I think, isn't it? Is it James? Balagese. I think Who? I've got Jamal Adams. I've got Seahawks on the brain, leave me alone. Um, we've got Balagese coming through Crowley as well. Crawley fans love him, don't they? Who? Crawley fans love... Oh yeah, the, the the manager was after about two games was coming out wondering how they even got him in the first place. Yeah. They realised he was um, two. Yeah, he's big. He's a big lad. Um, but we've obviously got uh, at Bolton as well. We've got um, Connor Bradley. Connor Bradley, and we've got the Adam, left back as well, Owen Beck. Beck, Beck, yeah. I want to say Adam Lewis then for some reason. But, yeah, uh, yeah Adam, Adam Lewis is is um, the one of the past. I like Adam Lewis yeah. as well. Played, I like Jordan Rossford as well, so what the league, fuck do I know? What? Adam Lewis. He still plays Liverpool, Adam Lewis, on loan at Newport. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's still at the club. Why is Jordan Rossford now? I think Jordan Rossford's in League One as well. I don't know, that's a, that is a... I think he's at Bristol Rovers with Barton, isn't he? <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he is. 25. Yeah. He's 25? Played. not played for Bristol Rovers yet. Fucking hell, he's 25. He's only played 103 competitive games. He's 25 and he still looks like he's about 17. I still remember that goal against Middlesbrough. Was it Middlesbrough? Oh, mate. Wow. I, I wrote I, I wrote a profile of him for Scouters. Oh, no. Do, do you do that anymore? Do you still well, do not, that? Well, not for Rosserton, no. though. Well, well, just in general, because I'm wondering whether, you know... I saw the roster one and thought, oh, God, could it be trusted? Hey, I did Joe Gomez as well, even though I've got an agenda against oh, him. Through gritted teeth. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, I did Jules Kunde as well, and he's coming good, so fuck off. He hates Chelsea, uh, so yeah. That's... No, I did Pedro Chiravella as well. <laughs> I like Chiravella. I maintain he should have played Liverpool more. Hey, to be fair, I wasn't wrong about Rossett. I said he was scrappy as fuck, and he's ended up in the lower <laughs> league, so... Did that? Did that phrase make copy? Uh, no, it didn't. Uh, no. no, I think um, I think one of the lads had to edit that Steve or Lou. I uh, edit that one. Well, um, yeah, I did Jules Kunde, I did Joe Gomez, did for Kyle Tomori, a couple of others as well. So yeah, centre backs, come at me, centre backs and goalkeepers. There my um, my ammo. But yeah. Um, anyway, but the, it's, been, it's been a bit of a weird one, Josh. We haven't had much to talk about. I think we've done incredibly well to do, what is it, four, nearly 50 minutes? Yeah, I know, but you don't want 50 minutes of shite. I mean, I know, I, I, I know we just... I mean, what is that, what is that compared to normal? <laughs> we roam on to <laughs> different topics, like, but come on. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's been a weird week. We're going into this three-week three break in a better position than we would have been. Had you know Lizzie not crow? Certainly more positive. Certainly more positive. I mean, I mean, as long as you don't look at Twitter, fuck me, Jesus Christ. Yeah. yeah. I, I came, I came out the match and seeing some of the takes, man. Like, and if you're a monarchist, you know, it's um, been a pretty, pretty bad time for you. If you've been a Rangers fan, it's been a very, very bad week. Very bad week. Um, but yeah, I mean, seeing some of the takes. Playing the anthem. No. Seeing some of the takes about Nunez coming out the game the other day was just a bit nuts. Um, I, I, I think that's going to be an issue until he somehow manages to score. Trick against City? 
Yeah, that's the only way he absolves any sort of criticism. I don't even, I don't even know what it'll take to be honest, because he scored that goal in the charity shield and people were still slaughtering him based on pre-season performances. It'll need Haaland to have like a five-game goal drought. <laughs> honest to God, like I don't. Yeah, I'm not crying. I'm not crying. I promise. Oh, that was a high foot. Should have been disallowed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shit pass. <laughs> he is gonna. It was a shit pass. He is. I, I read your tweet earlier. Um. So the pass was the overhit. You said, what was it? The pass was overhit, so the finish. is what I think was what your tweet said, saying yeah. which one was better. Yeah. I read it as, <laughs> the pass was overhit, so was the finish. And I was oh. like, bitter, bitter man. <laughs> <laughs> it was overhit and it's the net too hard. Pray. Do you um, want it in the bottom corner? Oh, not least. I don't want to talk about Ireland Haaland. It just fucking depresses me, to be honest. Just At least we know we're, as a team, are shit rather than just the striker, so we're not going to be challenging them anyway. More than to likely. Be fair, to be fair, I do think City have regressed. It's just that they're reliant yeah. on a guy who you can rely on. Yeah. <laughs> you so know? And John Stone's banging one in from 25 yards. Yeah, that didn't oh, help, God. did it? But to, to be fair, them. though, I do think Haaland is going to take somebody's head off at some point. Because somebody is going to come off his blind side and try and head that ball, and they're going to get that head taken off. He's already done it. Who was it the other week? The uh, guy, um, Nunez, head butted. Come on. Alice? Come on. Anderson? Anderson. That's the one. Yeah. Uh, I already know booted people in the head. He's going to boot someone else in the head. But, you know, he booted the ball in the goal this time, and that made me sad. But, yeah. Um, I guess not, 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 not from us over the next couple of weeks until Brighton, and then. Well, we can't do Brighton non-stop. until they decide to hire somebody. Really. Well, yeah. Even the... then, even then, we should be probably going to win. You know. It it'll be not until Brighton, and then um, and then it'll be non-stop until November. A little bit of a break, and then non-stop until then. So. Well, especially with the... two more fucking games to fit in. Brilliant. Oh, yeah, I know that that Chelsea game is going to be over midweek now, and I'm going to have to book a day's holiday and everything. February, I think it's going to have to be. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's going to be fucking shit. Um, but yeah, so do us all a favour, enjoy the break because <laughs> it's going to be stressful afterwards. So enjoy your two weeks. Watch the NFL. The NFL, it's fucking boss. I mean, if you don't want to watch the NFL, you are more than welcome not to. Like the NFL. NFL Red Zone every Sunday. Get some enjoyment in your life. Do you think I probably will watch it? Uh, see? Um, yeah. Enjoy the couple of weeks. I'm a nice relax. And then we'll be back. The Reds will be back. Um, Depression will be back. General malaise back. <laughs> well, God, God knows where it's going to take us. But yeah, <laughs> in the meantime, enjoy. Thanks for listening. 